This is a very uh, familiar passage of scripture, but as we wrap up this old-fashioned Sunday, I need to give one more brief message from the Old Testament. And uh, <clears throat> Daniel chapter number 3, and uh, we've been sitting for a minute, so let's stand together uh, for the reading of God's Word very quickly. And uh, I want to make this uh, a brief time together, but uh, famous last words. Um, but I do believe that this will be, I uh, want to... Um, I know we've been here already for a while today, and I uh, want to get home and get some rest, but, <clears throat> but one more uh, brief message. Daniel chapter 3, we're going to just read uh, verse 16 through 18, and uh, we'll highlight a little bit of this, explain it, give some thoughts, and then, uh, and then we'll be done. Daniel 3 verse 16 says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. And Lord, thank you for uh, this time now to study this particular passage, and I pray, Lord, you'd um, help us to take heed to the truth found in this, in this thought here in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. <clears throat> so most of us are very familiar with where we're at in this uh, passage here, but uh, just a super quick uh, review to bring us up to speed here. See, Daniel and his four, ch four friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, grew up in Judah. And in Judah, they were raised in a godly home, and they had godly parents, and they, uh, the parents taught their kids to do what was right. And then uh, one day, the king of Babylon named Nebuchadnezzar comes to Judah and Jerusalem, besieged it, and, take, and took several of the uh, children from Judah captive. If you look back in chapter 1 of Daniel, it says in verse 1, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem, and besieged it. And then in verse number 3, the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of the eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel, and of the king's seed, and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored, skillful in all wisdom, cunning in knowledge and understanding science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, in whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. So um, <clears throat> Nebuchadnezzar comes and kind of takes over and, and brings a bunch of these children. They were kind of like the straight-A students of the day, the ones who uh, were smart and who had some good ability. Those were the ones that they took back with them to Babylon. And Daniel... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were part of that group that got taken back to Babylon. Well, they, uh, they met the king, and uh, they asked in chapter 1 if they could uh, not eat of the portion of the king's meat and instead eat the pulse. And uh, then they ended up being, you know, ten times better than the others who were taken and got to eat the king's meat. In chapter 2, uh, Nebuchadnezzar has a terrible dream, and he wants somebody to come and answer it. No one's able to tell him what the dream is or the interpretation until Daniel steps on the scene. God had given him that ability. So he does that. And at the end of uh, chapter number 2, if uh, you look here, it says uh, in verse 48, Then the king made Daniel a great man 
and gave him many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief of the governors over all the wise men of Babylon. Then Daniel requested the king, and he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon, but Daniel sat in the gate of the king. Okay, so these three uh, not only were in Babylon, but they rose to power. Daniel, quite a bit of power, and then Shadrach, Meshach, and again, and but, <laughs> Those guys uh, ended up being, uh, <clears throat> being kind of like his assistants, um, but, but still having some authority, still having a place of influence. Well, in chapter number three, Nebuchadnezzar, because he's a pagan king and because he's kind of selfish and he was very proud, he decided, you know what we're going to do? We're going to build and erect a giant statue of myself. And so this giant statue was uh, made, and, and by the way, it was 90 feet tall, 9 feet wide. It was a giant statue, and uh, they decided, you know what? Let's make a really great law. You think the laws in our land are crazy. Uh, consider this one. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar made a decree that whenever the music began to play, this national anthem of some sort was played, then everybody had to bow down and worship that golden image which Nebuchadnezzar had built. Well, so that ended up happening. The statue gets built, and then it's time for the first, uh, the first song to be played. And so here comes the music. Dun, 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 dun. Probably wasn't exactly that tune, but... Um, anyway, whatever that tune was, everybody began to bow down and, and worship that golden image. All except for three. Uh, there were three that did not, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, um, and so that was noticed. Um, there were others who were looking around and making sure everybody was obeying the law, and they were the police of that day, and, and they were making sure everybody was following the decree that had come forth. And so in verse number 8, Wherefore at that time certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews, and spake and told the king, and, and they said, Hey, you've made a decree, and, and uh, you said in verse number 11, Whoever falls not down and worshipeth, that he should be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. That was, I mean, this is a pretty crazy law, if you think about it. I mean, you, you disobey this law, it's not like you go and, and uh, do a little hard time. It's like instant death. I mean, you will bow and worship this image, or you're going to get put in the fiery furnace. And evidently, um, well, not evidently, but in verse number 10, I'm sorry, verse number um, 12, there are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, and he names them by name, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Verse 13, Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring these three they brought these men before the king. And, I mean, this is kind of a big deal here for these three. And again, they had been placed in a, in a position of authority and prominence and of influence. Verse 14, Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Is it true that you do not serve my gods nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Um, he said, I'm going to give you one more chance. Verse 15, uh, it, once you hear that music, you're going to fall down and worship. But if you don't, you're going to get cast in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And, and, and at the end of verse 15, and who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? And then now we come to the passage I just read at the beginning. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said, hey, we're not careful to answer thee in this manner. In other words, uh, 
we have no problem telling you why we're not going to do this. And he said in verse seven, they said in verse 17, if, be, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. See, here's the deal. These three young men refused to bow before a false god. And uh, they were brought before the king, and, and he was used to, no doubt, people uh, in his presence kind of shaking in their boots, you know. What is he going to do? He can, he, can, he can kill me in, the, in, in, a, in a whim. But these guys were not shaking. These guys were very much in full control and had complete con composure. Because you see... These three men were not under the authority of the king Nebuchadnezzar. They were under the authority of another king. See, they believed that God could for sure, 100% deliver them from the fiery furnace. And they knew that he was able and that he would do it. But even if he would choose not to, in verse number 18, if be, but, but if not, be it known unto thee, O king, even if, you, even if he doesn't deliver us, we're still not going to serve your gods. We're still not going to worship the golden image which thou hast set up. We're not going to do it. I'm thankful for the fact that they were clear as day about their determination to do right. They didn't mumble. Again, in verse 16, we're not careful to answer thee in this matter. They didn't mumble. They were totally committed to their great God. They weren't going to let the threat of a hot furnace shake their faith. And they determined that they would continue to do right no matter the cost. Now, I love the little... Three-word um, three phrase at the beginning of verse number 18, which is the title of my message, but if not. And I want to encourage all of us this afternoon to have the same dedication and allegiance to our Lord as those three young men did in verse number 18. Even if it costs us everything, we're still going to do right. I think of what the council said of Paul and Barnabas in Acts chapter 15, verse 26, when they said, men that have hazarded their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, they're willing to put their lives on the line for the glory of God and for the cause of Christ. They weren't afraid of what the consequences might be if they did what was right. So uh, my question for all of us this, this afternoon is this, where are the Christians who would have the same attitude as these three young men, who would say, I will obey God no matter the results, who would stand up and do right even if it costs them their lives. Where are these Christians? Where are the Christians who would be faithful to church when everyone is nice to them and would be faithful to church when that's not the case? Where are the Christians who would continue to witness to those around them if many of them get saved but would continue to witness even if they don't and they get a door slammed in their face while out on visitation. See, but if not, I'm going to still continue obeying the Lord and doing right. Or the Christians who would avoid worldly influences if those around you respect your decisions and would continue to do so if they mock you and make fun of you for your decisions. Where are the Christians who are going to say, hey, I'm going to do right if everyone agrees with me and the results are pleasant, but if not, I'm still going to do right. 
Where are the Christians who would give cheerfully to the Lord's work if God blesses you financially in the way that you want Him to bless you and would continue to do so if the blessings don't exactly come the way that you were hoping? Would you continue to give? Would you continue to obey the Lord and do what's right? Would you be one of those Christians who choose to forgive others and when, they, and when you do, they appreciate your forgiveness and change their behavior and stop their, what they're doing that's wrong. And will you continue to forgive if they continue on doing the thing that bothered you in the first place? Will you continue to do what's right? Where are the wives who will submit to their husbands? When that submission encourages and motivates them to start loving you as Christ loved the church, but will continue to do so even if he doesn't and stays the same. I am still going to do right no matter the cost. That's what these three young men had in their mind. We're going to do right. It doesn't matter. You can throw us in the fiery furnace. You can throw us in a den of lions. You can do whatever you're going to do. It doesn't matter. We're going to keep doing right. What about you husbands? Would you love your wife as Christ loved the church and sacrifice for them when that motivates her then to reverence and respect you? And will you continue to love your wife as Christ loves the church, even if that does not motivate her to reverence and respect you? Will you continue to do right no matter the cost? Uh, Lord, please give our church family some backbone to do what's right when the results are pleasant and when the results are less than pleasant. Help us to be obedient, come what may. And that's what these three young men, we're going we're gonna to obey. It doesn't matter what the results are. See, the obedience of these three men was not dependent on the outcome. They were going to obey the Lord no matter what, even if it meant they were going to be burnt to a crisp. And that was a very real possibility for them. We all know in verse number 14, this, or 19, this, may, this, this response, this resolve, this backbone that they had, did, did Nebuchadnezzar go, ooh, I like that, those guys, these guys, I like them. No, verse number 19, then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury and the form of his visage was changed against, I mean, he went from a kind of a frustrated individual to an irate, I mean, he was full of fury, the Bible says. Therefore he spake, commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. Commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. These men were bound in their coats, their hosen, and their hats, and their other garments, and were cast in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent, furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those mighty men that took up these three uh, brave individuals. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. So it would seem at this point that God had let them go. But it didn't matter to them. You could throw us in. We'll, we'll burn. We'll burn to a crisp. It doesn't matter. I'm, gonna not, I'm, I'm not going to disobey my Lord. That's how strong their allegiance and their loyalty was to their Lord. And God help us to have that same, same allegiance to Him. Remember the words of our Savior in Matthew 10, verse 28, where He said, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul but rather fear Him, which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. 
And that's what these three young men were doing. They were fearing the Lord rather than this King Nebuchadnezzar who could just as simply destroy their bodies. They were more concerned about pleasing the one who is able to destroy both soul and body. Because I, I, I do want to remind all of us uh, this afternoon of Paul's warning to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 12. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall be rewarded every day of their life and have everybody be nice to them and everybody is going to agree with you and it's going to be easy peasy lemon squeezy all your life. Boy, I wish that was the promise here, but that's not the promise. That's not the warning. Those that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So for those who decide they're going to do right and, 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 and obey the Lord, it's not always going to turn out great. Now we know going through this passage, the story doesn't end there with these men in the furnace. Verse 24 says, Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished or astonished and rose up in haste, spake, saying, said unto his counselors, Hey, didn't we cast three men bound in the midst of the fire? They said, True, O king. He answered, well, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Hmm. So God really did deliver them. Then verse 26, these, um, he came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace, spake, said, Hey, guys, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth, come hither. And they came forth in the midst of the fire. Verse 27, and all these men were gathered around here, saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was a hair of their head singed. Neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. Last night, I mentioned this morning, we, were at a, we had a fire pit last night, and boy, all of us smelled like smoke afterwards. These guys didn't even smell like smoke, and they were in the midst of this burning, fiery furnace that was made seven times hotter. God mightily blessed and ended up changing Nebuchadnezzar and and uh, he issued a decree. But here's my point. Sometimes when we obey the Lord, the results are less than rainbows and butterflies. I wish it always was wonderful, but it, always, it isn't always that way. Sometimes it doesn't seem to work out in our favor. Now, let me give you a quick passage here. If you turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. <clears throat> Hebrews in chapter number 11 and... This is the by faith chapter. We read about some heroic people in the Old Testament who made great choices by faith. We read about Abraham and Isaac and Joseph and Moses and, and many of these others who uh, made great sacrifices for the Lord and He mightily blessed them. But then we come to chapter 11 and verse 32. He says, And what more, or what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Abarak and of Samson, of Jephthah, of David also and Samuel and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms. They wrought righteousness, obtained promises. They stopped the mouths of lions. They quenched the violence of fire. They escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong. They waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women uh, that received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance. Wait a minute. All of them were sounding really good. Quenched the violence of fire which is a reference to these three young men here that we're talking about in verse 34. 
They escaped the edge of the sword. That's good. Out of weakness were made strong. That's good. Wax violent and fight. That's good. They turned to fight the armies of the aliens. That's great. Women received their dead again. That's wonderful. Others were tortured. Wait a minute. That doesn't sound so positive. Not accepting deliverance. That they might obtain a better resurrection. See, they decided, look, I'm going to continue doing right, even if it means I'm being tortured, even if it means giving my life, even if it means being ridiculed, even if it means that it doesn't work out in my favor. I'm going to continue doing right. Verse 36, others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. Yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. Well, this isn't a really good brochure for wanting to do what's right, is it? You know, here's some bullet points for you. Why you should do right? Because you could have trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. And you could have bonds and imprisonment. And in verse 37, they were stoned. They were sawn asunder. By the way, that was Isaiah who was sawn asunder that we uh, preached about this morning. Oh, they were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in dark deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. So here's these guys who do right, and the results are, you know, a lot of times we say, do right, and God's going to bless you. Now, He does bless us, but it's not always in the way we wish He would. Not in the way that we would choose but He does bless us, but sometimes it doesn't always end in our favor. We love to read about, for instance, Peter when he was put into prison and the whole church family prayed and he was released and he comes knocking on the door and remember they were like, hey, don't bother us, we're having a prayer meeting for Peter. He's like, excuse me, I'm here, I've been delivered, God answered your prayer. Open the, open the door, let me in. We love reading about that, but before that's mentioned... Acts chapter 12 and verse 1 says, Now about that time Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church, and he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. See, James was just simply doing right. It didn't seem to work out for him, though. I know all of us want to be like Peter and let God do great and mighty things when we do right and be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and, and, and see God do miraculous things, but... At least in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it would have never happened had they not had the resolve and the faith that they had before they ever faced the furnace. I think this gives a bit more meaning to what David said in Psalm 4 in verse number 5 when he said, Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. Because doing right sometimes means you're going to pay a price. Price is always worth it. Ron Hamilton wrote a song called Do Right. The lyrics of that song go like this, from the very start. Have purpose in your heart. To do what's right and never question why. Never count the cost. Though sometimes, or I'm sorry, though, though everything seems lost, the price for doing right is sometimes high. Right is always right and wrong is always wrong, and we must learn to separate the two. And if you love the right, the Lord will give you light. So seek the right in everything you do. Do right till the stars fall. Do right till the last call. Do right when there's no one else to stand by you. Do right when you're all alone. Do right though it's never known. Do right since you love the Lord. Do right. Do right. And these three 
Young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were willing to do right, and even if it meant going into the fire. Are you willing to do right, even if it means some of the things that might be negative that would come into our lives for doing right? Are you willing to do right? One story, and then we'll, we'll be done. About 150 years ago, there was a great revival in the country of Wales. As a result of this, many missionaries came to northeast India to spread the gospel. The region known as Assam was comprised of hundreds of tribes who were primitive and aggressive headhunters. Well, into these hostile and aggressive communities came a group of missionaries from the American Baptist missions, spreading the message of love, peace, and hope in Christ. Naturally, they were not welcomed. One missionary succeeded in converting a man, his wife, and two children. This man's faith proved contagious, and many villagers began to accept Christianity. Angry, the village chief summoned all the villagers. He then called the family who had first converted to renounce their faith in public or face execution. Moved by the Holy Spirit, the man instantly composed a song which became famous down through the years. It's one that we sing here at Cornerstone from time to time. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. I'm going to obey regardless of the consequences, regardless of the results. Well, enraged at the refusal of the man, the chief ordered his archers to arrow down the two children. And as both boys lay twitching on the floor, chief asked, Now will you deny your faith? You've lost both of your children, and you're about to lose your wife too. But the man, in his response, saying these words, Though no one joins me, still I will follow. Though no one joins me, still I will follow. Though no one joins me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. The chief was beside himself with anger and fury and ordered his wife to be arrowed down. And in a moment, she joined her two children in death. Now he asked for the last time, he said, I will give you one more opportunity to deny your faith and live. In the face of death, the man sang the final memorable lines. The cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back. No turning back. And after that, he was shot dead like the rest of his family. Here was a man who so wanted to do right and honor the Lord, he wasn't going to budge. No turning back. And these three men said, hey, we're going to do right if it works out in our favor, but it, if not, we're still going to do right. Well, we have that same mentality as we go it, into our Christian life. Lord, I'm going to honor you if I get a raise and people are nice to me. And I'm popular and get a lot of likes on my social media accounts. And I'm going to follow you if none of that happens and it becomes very difficult. Because, Lord, you're worthy of it. By the way, the Lord's not asking us here to do something he wasn't first willing to do himself. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he was there and he said, Lord, I don't really want to do this, but I do want to do right, even if it means becoming sin for 
them. And he did. So tonight, today, whatever time it is, let's have the mentality, but if not, I'm still going to do right. I'm going to do right no matter the cost. Let's pray together. Lord, we do thank you for the time together today. Thank you for the testimony of these three young men, these brave, godly young men. Lord, I so respect them for their faith and their resolve and their backbone in that moment. Oh, Lord, how many others would have bent over that type of pressure, but, but these men stood strong for you. And I pray, Lord, that this church would be a church full of people who would stand strong for you, no matter the results. Come what may, Lord, that we're going to do what's right. If things go well, but if not, we're still going to do right. And Lord, I pray you give us that courage and that allegiance and that loyalty to you. Thank you, Lord, for showing that perfect example to us on the cross of Calvary as well. And Lord, I pray that you would help us as we uh, go our way today to keep these thoughts in mind and apply them to our lives. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.